your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. The Sharks win their biggest game of the year, and they might have knocked VGK out of playoff contention. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco. You can follow us at Locked On VGK, myself at Tony Dasco on Twitter, and Chris Gallick can be found at TD Chris G on Twitter, like touchdown TD Chris G on Twitter. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.net. With more props, odds, and lines than ever before, Bet online where the game starts. So, Chris, Timo Meyer called this the biggest game of the year for the San Jose Sharks. He said the Sharks wanted to play the role of spoiler. They wanted to knock VGK out of the playoffs, and they might have done just that. So, VGK gives up an all important uh, point when Timo Meyer sends the game into overtime, but the goal with under a second to go, no scoring in overtime. Then the outstanding rookie that we highlighted here on Friday, Thomas Bordalo, wins it in the shootout. I don't know what to say or where to start, but let's first talk about the Nick Bonino goal after the Sharks had just pulled James Reimer with under three minutes to go. I thought that White Cloud tried to clear the puck out and he couldn't. And then a lot of traffic in front of the net. And then in the final second, uh, we saw where Brett Burns went off the back wall and the Sharks have played a ton here in Las Vegas, and they have enough knowledge to know how lively the boards are. And then Meyer just buries it on the back door. Quite a sequence of events, quite a turn of events there. But then the final three minutes of play and VGK right now, uh, they might be the odd team out of this playoffs. Um, Tony, on Saturday, I sent you flowers. Did you get them? <laughs> For, I got some from Marc-Andre Fleury. No, Saturday, that, that was an important anniversary. Do you not remember? No, I don't remember. Which one was that? Not a major. Sharks, Golden Knights, Game 7, Round 1. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> a lot of people were, were, were talking about the anniversary, too. So that anniversary date was one that will live in infamy for the VGK. And then this one ranks right up there. But, hey, guess what? The Golden Knights had won 11 in a row. How many times did they mention that on TV? They have well, won 11 in a row over the Sharks. You know, they're dominating this team. Uh, they have won 11 in a row, soon to be 12. And here, all of a sudden, things implode late in the game. Dave Gosher had to back uh, some comments up. Somewhere along the way, he was talking um, as if the standings, the Golden Knights are already now just two points behind Dallas. And he had to walk that comment back during the broadcast. So that just... Uh, yeah, just all the all the jinxes in effect that uh, happen in, in this lovely uh, town built on gambling and superstition and uh, everything else, eh? Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the uh, the final sequences there with under three minutes to go, and just as they pulled Reimer uh, back the uh, down the other end, real quick, Nick Benino with that goal that just went through traffic. That was all their goals. Um, I, I watched the game pretty closely and then went back and just kind of watched all the Sharks goals. And that was the theme of 
all of their goals. They basically started from the blue line and it's really the stuff the golden Knights seem to be, have been trying to do for such a long time. Just get those lazy shots. You hit a foot, you get a deflection, you hit the backboards and it goes right to someone's stick who's in the right spot waiting. I mean, the sharks had a game plan. They stuck with it. And it was really the type of game you'd expect a team to play. That's on the backside of a back-to-back, right? They came out, they got the first goal. They played a pretty good first period, but I thought the Golden Knights getting out tied in the first period. I think I mentioned that in our show on Friday. You knew the Sharks would come out hot. They were going to slow down. They were going to lose their legs a bit in the second. And even in the third, to an extent, until the last couple of minutes, the Golden Knights really owned the middle, you know, call it 70% of the game. Um Sharks realize that this is their game seven. This is their last game that's going to mean anything until uh, next October. So listen, credit to them for hanging out. Credit to them for spoiling the party. Credit to them for me thinking about stupid things like not a major and all that stuff. And somehow when you beat a team uh, 11 to 12 times, it's still a rivalry, right? Yeah, I think it's still going to be a rivalry now or it is once again. You know, and uh, you do a lot of hockey refereeing on all levels. And I wanted to ask there on that final goal in regulation, the Meyer goal we saw where it was Brett Burns who knocked the stick out of William Carlson's uh, hands there. Was that a penalty late for a slash? So I don't know the difference from the verbatim from USA hockey at the level that I ref versus NHL, but the rule is something along the lines. If you are slashing down at the bottom third of your opponent's stick in an attempt to play the puck or disrupt the stick handling, as long as it's not an egregious play, not a dangerous play, then you can keep the whistle in your pockets. Now, Burns that was uh, he was about 30 yards out. He had his lob wedge out and he took it up about just below his hip and followed right through. The stick came out of the hands and a scoring attempt was negated. Based off of that, I certainly, and again, I'm never going to be anywhere near an NHL ref. Uh, besides when I get to officiate with uh, Steve Kazari's uh, kid who actually works uh, here in town, who uh, Steve Kazari was officiating today's Maybe game. Officiating, yeah. That, that's the closest I'll ever be to a NHL uh, blood, if you will, as far as officiating goes. Um, in real time, I could see him leaving the whistle in his pocket, and I certainly understand that. Letter of the law, stick knocked out of the hand. It was a direct attempt to slash, not necessarily play the puck, knock the stick out of the hand. Scoring attempt negated. You know, I would not have been upset with a call there by any means from the hometown cooking perspective and uh, from my uh, beer league level one USA hockey officiating perspective. I want to talk about this shootout. And uh, so... BGK elected to go first, which a lot of the times you, sh- I, I don't think you should at, at home. I think you should go last. You should go second, but Nick Waugh, uh, now three out of five on penalty shots goes to the blocker side. Reimer blocks it on the backhand. We saw Jack Eichel um, who hit it into the pad of Reimer. And I didn't think he came in wide and I didn't think his shot was spectacular for his first penalty shot. As a member of the Golden Knights, Shade Theodore, who has the hottest stick and 
has been the savior in overtimes. Uh, Theodore now two out of three. Um, the first time that he's been stopped on a penalty shot and he was blocked on the backhand. And then we saw uh, the shootout goal scored by Thomas Bordalo on Logan Thompson. And I'll tell you, there were a lot of stunned folks there over at T-Mobile Arena. And my phone's just been blowing up, you know, after the game. And it's just one of those things for the Golden Knights. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to get your impression of the shootout attempts for VGK first. And then we could talk about uh, some things that impressed us for the Golden Knights on Sunday night. So the, the Knights guard, that's the crew that comes out and shovels the ice. They come out three times, I believe, throughout a period. And then should there be overtime, they come out and go one more time. If there's a shootout, they come out and go one more time. And I'm not going to put this on our beloved Knights guard by any means, but if you recall when Nick Wah was coming in for his shootouts, as he was going forehand, backhand, somewhere around the blue line or so, the puck jumped up on edge and he had to settle the puck, which disrupted his rhythm. Did that cost him the goal? I, I don't know, but it's it's just a bad luck situation on bad ice in a bad situation. Um, Nick Wah, historically good. Um, I didn't mind him going out for a shootout attempt by any means. I was a little surprised that Jack Eichel came out. Um, I don't know what his career stat line is for shootouts. Um, I really thought Stevenson should have had an attempt. Uh, he's done very well on breakaways, or even someone like Matthias Yanmark um, is very, very good on breakaways. There might have been some advanced level scouting that I'm just not privy to or didn't do enough research on my end about. Um so yeah, Nikwa loses his rhythm, tries to go backhand. It wasn't it wasn't a, a very great attempt. Um, second shooter Jack Eichel, I saw where he was trying to go. He was trying to sneak it in uh, between the pads. I thought he could have made one more move and gone forehand backhand. I think uh, the goalie, I think Reimer was cheating a little bit towards his glove side. Uh, again, maybe that's scouting. I don't know if that's historical where Eichel likes to go. And Shea Theodore gets a pass anytime he misses a shootout because he just doesn't miss too many of them. Um, but again, forehand, backhand, the whole world knows it's coming. We've alluded to that in the broadcast before. And Reimer knew it was coming. If I have to offer any level of um, criticism, he just was maybe a foot too deep before he made his move. Uh, he makes that move a little bit outside the crease. He's got an open net to shoot into. You get that deep, you've got to be perfect when that puck is on the backhand of your stick to elevate it. And he's capable of making that move, but just got a little too deep and Reimer was ready for it. Uh, what stood out to me during the course of the game, I thought that the fourth line had a very solid evening. Uh, the return of William Carrier, who should have returned two weeks ago. But then again, uh, they had some issues with this thing called uh, the salary cap. Yeah. Issues, not issues. Uh, with the salary, don't have cap. salary cap problems. No, there's no problems with the salary cap. We don't have issues. No issues. William Carrier, Nick Waugh, and uh, Keegan Colasar, who was knocked out of the game and did not come back in the third period. Uh, and then also Chandler Stevenson, my MVP of this team. I oh, can't yeah. praise him enough. And he returns to the second line with Pacioretty and Stone and has a multi-point game and just a nifty goal uh, for the Golden Knights. Yeah, uh, Stevenson, your third star of uh, of the season, if you will, and the, and the third star who was hope we were hoping would take us to the promised land. Uh, 
during this during uh, this last week. He got things going. Um, but yeah, back to that fourth line. Oh my goodness! Um, I was just kind of thinking back to year one uh, when we were able to roll four lines, and you would get a push every now and then from the fourth line. And Colasar, Wa, William Carrier. Um, far better than any line that features Ryan Reeves. Um, all love to Ryan Reeves, of course, but Reeves is not, pardon me, Reeves is not going to get the job done on the offensive side too much and not going to give us uh, the type of scoring punch. But I, I liked uh, line four starting the game tonight. I thought Colasar had some good hits to uh, set, the t- set the pace. Carrier is Carrier, just so fast, so quick, stops on a dime and you know, early on, he had a great uh, shot in the first period, and it just kind of went uh, from there. And it was nice to see him get a goal in his first game back. Looks healthy. Looks like he's been on the ice for a while. Looks like he may have been able to return a little bit previously, giving our salary uh, circumstances, if you will. Um, Keaton Cole, sorry, he looks like he was kind of holding like around his hip or his midsection right away. Pulled groin is the first thing that crossed my mind, and if that's the case, uh, you know, he could be fine tomorrow or he may not skate until August. I mean, that's just how those injuries go sometimes. But that's a big blow if Colasar is going to miss these last three games and being able to roll four lines. Do we have someone to take his place that can offer that effectiveness that Colasar has had? Not from physicality standpoints, maybe from a speed standpoint and skill, but Colasar in the fourth line, he's got a great role, and it was exciting to see that fourth line clicking tonight. Yeah, a lot of uh, the Twitter reaction directly after the game. Uh, there are a lot of teams that do not like the Vegas Golden Knights. Timo Meyer said that they received a ton of text. A lot of teams and a lot of people around the league were cheering for them. Uh, and then uh, Bortolo, right after the game, said, a hundred percent. He knew what he was going to do with the puck. He knew what his move was going to be to win the game. And uh, the Golden Knights, uh, a lot of folks were rooting against them. And uh, right now uh, you might say that VGK's hopes are on life support. Definitely. And yeah, I'm going to look at the glass half full here. We found a way to get a point. Hopefully that point is the difference between us making making it and not. Um, okay. Um, and, and yeah, VGK is definitely hated. There's a lot of reasons that start off with the jealousy type thing at first, you know, everyone's saying the team was not going to be anything. And then all of a sudden the, the expansion draft was handed to us and all of a sudden, you know, it's a, it wasn't a fair playing field and then some success here's two, three, and four. And then all the stuff that's happened, I mean, sure, we're hated. And it's it's fun. It's nice to play the role of the villain, villain if you will. And it just uh, another thing that is just absolutely remarkable um, to think about. And again, I've said this so many times, season five, now 80 games or 79 games old, is our craziest campaign we've had, That which includes a Stanley Cup run. It, Includes that crazy game seven against San Jose. Includes uh, Western Conference final runs years three and four. (laughs) Includes the Montreal Canadiens winning the Campbell Bowl. I mean, all these just crazy things that have happened. And yet 79 games of regular season hockey in Vegas is the craziest season of them all in season number five. It's fun in some weird, crazy, delusional 
Jack Nicholson, psycho smiling type of way, if you will. Um, but it's, hey, it's fun and let's enjoy it to a degree. And who knows, maybe we do backdoor ourselves into the playoffs or maybe we don't. It's not looking too good. Dallas Stars also tweeted out, we love you tonight, San Jose Sharks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, everyone is, is going to be rooting against the VGK. This has to be one of the biggest wins for the San Jose Sharks in a long, long time. Again, they had lost 11 straight against the Golden Knights. When we return, of course. we will talk about something else that the fans are talking about all over social media and everywhere else, and probably in the arena on Sunday night, the Robin Leonard fiasco. I don't know how else to put it. Coming up next, you're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Have you tried Built Bars Puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bars' best-tasting bars. They are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite. There are some incredible flavors from yummy cinnamon churro to banana cream pie. They're all so good. And these are going to be your new favorite. They are low calorie. They're high in protein. And you should replace your candy bars with these because they're much better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from between two to 300 calories. And most built bars, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And again, it's going to be Built Bars, and you've got to try the puffs. Just go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You can get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen. And now for your next listen, check out Locked On Now nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. I am Tony Cardasco. And uh, again, as always joined by Chris Golick. and Chris, I think we should jump into, well, first of all, let's assess Logan Thompson and the way that he performed, I guess, up until the final three minutes and, what goals were on him, do you feel, in the game on Sunday night? Um, and do you feel now maybe that the pressure once and for all could be getting to Logan Thompson? Um, Tony, the first goal, I think, was a little bit soft. Um, before the shot that came from the point that pinballed around, uh, it was almost similar to um, the Leonard goal. Not, not in the sense that where Leonard reached up and just dropped the rebound right in front. But Logan Thompson left a costly rebound right in front that ultimately uh, found its way, um, you know, in the back of the nets. Outside of that, when they're shooting from the point and you can't see the puck, you know, there's a couple ways to look at that. You're screened, you didn't see it, move on to the next one. Um, Malcolm Subban, your number one, I remember, used to get a lot of criticism for giving up the same types of goals. And one of the arguments that you started seeing made was, sure, you're screened, there's bodies in front of you, you got to find a way to see the puck, whether it's pushing the defenseman out of the way, whether it's communicating with your defenseman who could also be screening you. So you have to put a little bit of this on, you know, the rookie who has been our savior, you know, for the last uh, nearly a month or so. 
the last three goals after that, I mean, shots from the point, pinballing around, I don't know how much more he could have done. That last goal, just absolutely dumb luck. I mean, McNabb makes a great play from his knees. He clears the puck high off the glass like he is supposed to as he is falling down. At that point, I, I'm sitting back in my computer chair thinking, okay, let's you know start thinking about our, our, our podcast here and what points I want to make. And Burns does a great job, just drops the puck to himself, stops it on the blue line. He just threw it deep and, you know, a minor uh, miracle for San Jose happened. So long and short answer or long answer longer. First goal, if I'm going to pin one on Logan Thompson, yeah. Last three, you know, not really. And uh, that goal again, I'm telling you, uh, Brett Burns has played there enough. Timo Meyer has played at T-Mobile enough times, and they know that those boards are lively. It almost was as though that was a set sort of a play uh, off of the boards, and he just camps out right there on the side of the net, and Meyer puts it in. He stuck the puck in to their credit. Uh, but now I want to talk about the panda in the room, okay? <laughs> uh, so after Emily Kaplan of ESPN first reported that Robin Leonard's season would be done due to having surgery, knee surgery, a comedy of errors and accusations and more drama ensues for VGK. Pete DeBoer, first of all, he denies the reports. Then the next day, right, Chris, he said that he couldn't comment and that the media had to refer to a team release that said that Leonard was taking a second maintenance day on Saturday and that we would probably see Robin Leonard suited up on Sunday. Yes, Leonard did suit up, but he was back up to Logan Thompson on Sunday night. And then we had that big report and multiple other reports, including the big one by Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman that said that Leonard is playing hurt. As we know, we've known this. It's a known fact. And uh, otherwise, uh, also, uh, he said that Leonard was upset with some of Pete DeBoer's criticism and being pulled in the game against the Capitals after giving up just one goal on 13 shots. Upset. So he said that he would have his surgery and more or less in protest. He said, that's it. My season's over. I'm going to have surgery. I'll see you later. And then there were conversations between Leonard, between VGK, his agents, on and on and on. What an absolute disaster. Disaster! Another black guy for this organization. And I, I just, we don't know what's true or what's false, but I have been saying all along that Robin Leonard is a very sensitive guy very sensitive and you knew that what Pete DeBoer was saying was either to try to motivate Robin Leonard or he really was down on Robin Leonard and regardless of what that meant it all pointed toward Leonard and then Leonard just had enough and and we knew that this was going to get in his head we just knew it it's, it's such a remarkable situation that's happening and I've been team Robin Leonard in all of our discussions. We've had some, some good debates about him and I feel like I've been a very strong supporter of him. And I, I still am a supporter of, of Robin. I, I know I, I want to make that clear, you know, before we get too deep into this, um, he has had a good history with BGK in his first few runs um, this season, not so much. And, you know, it's hard to completely assess a situation any other way, but, Coach, you don't like the way I'm playing right now? Fine, you know I'm playing hurt. F you, I'll have the surgery. See you next year. Peace out. And, and that's almost how that 
came across. And that's the first time I felt that Leonard was a bit selfish. And, you know, maybe this is a time where he should have his social media lit up and address everything from his perspective. And he will. I mean, at some point, whether it's the end of this season, whether it's the off season, next season, or in Robin Leonard's book in six or seven years when he retires, this story will break on exactly how he felt about this week, uh, you know, the week of April the 16th or 7th, whenever this week started, and how it was possibly a defining moment in his career and how he handled some criticism, what he's learned from it, if he rises above or just completely crumbles. But it's hard. And again, these are all reports. I am not privy to the conversations that took place. I don't know where Emily got her information from or we had some local people tweeting all this out as well. But something happened. This was not made up. This is not just two notable people simply saying, oh, Robin Leonard, you know, is done for the year. There is reason to believe whether it was Robin Leonard's people that put their put that out, his agent, Robin himself. Someone put this out there in uh, the universe and then, you know, they ran with it. And then, like you said, their conversation took place between, you know, Leonard and VGK and the coaching staff and his agent and, you know, it went from three maintenance days in a row to eh, good enough to be the backup just in case our number one can't play. That's yeah. very strange to me. Like if yeah. he has to come in that game, if, if Mark Stone is now at about 85%, what is Robin Leonard? 60%? I mean, I'd rather have Isaac Seville from Henderson or Patera come up in an emergency situation. Not, not, I'm not knocking Robin Leonard. I'm simply saying if he's not healthy enough to go on a three-day hiatus from the team, why the hell is he in a jersey tonight? It might not matter. It might not matter at all, but they're going to have a back-to-back coming up at Dallas and at Chicago, and I'm curious to see how VGK plays that. If they lose that game to Dallas, they're done anyway, and so it might not matter. They might just play Thompson back-to-back. I think they'll be finished at that point, thereabouts. But, you know, you, can't, you, you cannot knock the, you can't knock the credibility of Frank Saravelli. You can't knock the credibility of Emily Kaplan of ESPN. Very credible. And then, of course, I don't know why these local guys, uh, they're confirming everything, and now they go back on their confirmations and say, oh, no, no, this is what the organization said. No, you can't go back on that. You cannot knock Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. They are all credible sources. They have credible sources. They talk to people in the know. They talk to the agents. They talk to the players. They talk to management and they formulate uh, something through these major sources. So this is not contrived. Okay. And it's not just one person that's coming up with this about Leonard. Saravelli said a few weeks ago, you know, first, he, you know, we talked about the one injury with Leonard and then he talked about the knee injury and it, it's not contrived. Okay. But Pete DeBoer, Pete DeBoer comes out of this not looking too good because Pete DeBoer is a guy that told us last week, uh, the reason why we started Robin Leonard is because we pay Robin Leonard to start games like this, and we wanted to play a goaltender who is healthy and fresh. What? A goalie who's healthy and fresh? If the board knows what's going on. The board definitely knows what, what's happening here. Uh, you know, how could Pete DeBoer say that Robin Leonard is healthy and fresh when we know that he isn't. But again, Emily Kaplan, Frank Saravelli, Elliot Friedman, 
they are all credible sources, all credible sources there. And you, you can't knock their sources at all, right, Chris? A hundred percent. And, you know, like I said, like I said earlier, there, this isn't being made up. This was not just pulled out by some notable people that this, that Robin Leonard is having a surgery and he's just done based on the criticism and stuff that came from somewhere that 100% came from somewhere. And the fact is this is all coming to light. I mean, like you said, another bruise on the organization right now, and it's going to be interesting down the road uh, when Robin does finally speak out about this. When we return, we're going to talk. Can VGK still make it into the playoffs and what do they have left in the tank? How devastating was the loss on Sunday night? We'll return with more after this on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which is they're definitely on fire, and the start of the Major League Baseball season, which is now uh, really, what, into the second or third week. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And before we went to break there, Chris, the question I posed, can BGK still make it into the playoffs? Slim and none. That have to be that has to be their chances. I mean, mathematically, sure they can make it. And I'm curious where all the models um, have things pointing to. <clears throat> Looking at Nashville, Nashville has to lose out. VGK has to win out. Nashville isn't losing out. I'm not even gonna look at their schedule. Nashville is not gonna lose out and blow this opportunity. So the focus is on Dallas right now. The focus is on Dallas. The Golden Knights have to beat Dallas in regulation and then vgk has to beat chicago has to beat st louis dallas has to lose one of the next two games after that against arizona and anaheim their best chance to lose might be at home against arizona just because it's on a back-to-back maybe on friday the 29th maybe uh, ryan gets left in his uh final uh game with the ducks maybe uh he just goes on a tangent and the team rallies around him. So, yes, can they make in the playoffs mathematically? Yes. From a logic and likelihood perspective, I probably, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna put a line out there right now without looking at where um, some of our local books have it, I think we're probably plus, I think we're probably about nine to one to make the playoffs at this point, which is not favorable whatsoever. The Predators, they do have two really difficult games. But right now, I mean, Calgary doesn't have to win. They're locked in. Uh, Colorado has been slumping, but they've already clinched, you know, the title in the West uh, as the number one seed. And and then they'll close it out on Friday night at Arizona. And, you know, I, I don't know if any of that's going to matter because I think BGK stumbles one more time and it's either going to be uh, the St. Louis game later this week. St. Louis, the hottest team in the National Hockey League right now. Uh, I think they're, what, uh, 14-0 and, and 2 in their last 16, something like that. 
And so St. Louis is on fire. Um, you could even lose. I mean, they haven't played well against Chicago. And let's face it, right, Chris? This is a VGK team that has played to the level of their competition all season long. Injuries are not. I mean, there's no way they should stumble against the Flyers twice. There's no way they should lose some of these games. There's no way they should have lost to the Devils here at home. No, I mean, I was at I was at that Flyers game with my kid, and, and I remember we were talking about. It. I, I I forgot if it was like six, seven, eight games in a row they had lost. It was ten. And it, was it was ten okay in a row. Years. Ten. <laughs> It was 10 um, losses in a row and they just went through a coaching change and they come into Vegas and they beat Laurent Brassois. Yeah. And it's just kind of funny how things work out and yes, playing to their competition, that's a fair way to look at it. But, you know, just, I said this I, in, in one of our other shows last week as well, just maybe this is a mediocre team. Maybe Pete DeBoer cannot spin the dials with all the talents and find a way to make the lines. He was trying to spin them a little bit. He moved Marcheseau up uh, with Eichel and such in the in the um, in the third. And you know, Eichel really this game was relatively ineffective. And the third, he created some chances. And I thought in overtime he had some good looks, but I didn't think Eichel had a very strong five on five game. And that's another point we've made many times on this show previously. They have to find skilled players on the roster currently to maximize Eichel's skill and it doesn't necessarily mean another you know line one type of talents but you know players who have the ability to receive a pass from him get open and stuff like that and you know in Eichel's 30 or so games whatever it's been now there's not too many er Eichel had a real good start with us right I mean he had a real good first five six seven games and then he was okay for a while and just absent in this game and that's the type of stuff that can't happen right now Maybe a different coach or so could have uh, spun the dials. Maybe if they made a crazy change like that early on in the year or something like that. But, you know, right now, uh, DeBoer, he's, uh, he's not going to sleep very well. He's not going to sleep well tonight. Well, so there was the, uh, the 20th game, I think, where VGK has uh, 40 or more shots on goal. The 20th <laughs> game. And we're going to have to break this down here. Well, we might have plenty of time in the offseason to do so. <laughs> but I want to see how many games they actually won with 40 or more shots on net because it seems like they lose more frequently than not. Uh, it was good to see Max Pacioretty breaking through. Uh, he had uh, the goal for the first time in six games. And what does he do? He goes to the short side on Reimer and he gets a little lift on the puck and he scores the goal. And uh, they're going to need him if they do come back, if they do rally back. The biggest question right now, uh, the biggest question here as we go into Monday is Pete DeBoer. Is he on the hot seat right now? No, because he's been on the hot seat for the last month. <laughs> the, the, the seat's not got gotten any water. It, it went from, you know, it went from if you have you know, one of those fancy cars with heated seats and such, if you have five different levels you can put it on, it was maybe on about level two or three, and now it's on five. You know, it's, and he left it on from the drive all the way from Summerlin all the way down to Henderson. And we got out of the car and we left sweat marks on his pants. That's how hot the seat is right now. It's hard to look at someone else besides Pete DeBoer. Pete DeBoer had a pass for a long time. He had a pass for a very long time based on the injuries. The injuries aren't there now, Tony. And we have played down to, you know, the competition recently, notably Chicago, that game where they had to come back from a three goal deficit. 
this game, the Devils, you know, the team was healthier then. The injuries were not as apparent. So, yeah, DeBoer is on the hot seat. And honestly, if come Friday, BGK does not qualify for the playoffs after that game, I would say uh, by Monday morning at the latest, uh, it's announced uh, they're going to go a different direction and, uh, you know, kick the tires a little bit and see what's out there right now. Yeah, sooner or later, everything's going to come out about Robin Leonard, what happened, because Leonard's not a guy that just sits back and is very quiet. No. Um, I would even guess that after Friday, if they're eliminated by Saturday morning, we will see the reactivation of Robin Leonard's Twitter handle. I think that's going to come back in a major way. <laughs> and I just think it's going to be uh, balls to the wall for, for Robin Leonard. Uh, so do you think that VGK still has a chance to make it into the playoffs? I mean, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this team? Because I think they could just go on a downswing. And emotionally, uh, that's not that's a very bad loss on Sunday night. Final home game of the season could be the final home game for the entire season. No postseason for VGK. That could be the last time that fans could see them here for the 2021-22 campaign. Can they still make the playoffs? Yes. Not, not just a mathematical answer because they are still mathematically live, but this is sports, Tony. You, you cover everything, you know, as far as sports goes, you've seen your fair amount of crazy things and crazy comebacks, crazy, uh, you know, letdowns and everything in between. So from that perspective, sure, they can win out and Dallas has been fall. Dallas almost lost to Seattle yesterday. They were down two nothing in that game for a while. I was I was scoreboard watching while we were at the Dollar Loan Center sweating uh, the Silver Knights game, and the people around us were all kind of cheering and high fiving as we're watching the goals go. And then all of a sudden, Dallas came back and got there. So yes, Dallas can possibly lose one game against um, Arizona or Anaheim. The likelihood about as likely as the Golden Knights dropping a game against the Sharks, or as likely as the De- the Devils coming in and uh, beating us in a game that truly matters, you know. So likelihood of it happening, definitely not. And I was actually trying to find uh, uh, some odds for VGK to make the playoffs right now, and I haven't seen any new lines come out. But I'm uh, I'm curious what it's going to look like because that will be a pretty telling tale. And then you see how much the line shifts afterwards to see where the money's coming. If the odds get longer, that means everyone is still just laying the wood and uh, – you know, take a no at, at minus, you know, 2000 to miss the playoffs and such, you know, but if the line comes the other way, maybe, maybe, you know, people are betting the yes, where, you know, there's a lot of believers out there. Maybe some sharp money does bet the yes. You, you just never know. It's, it's sports. There's 82 games. It's not a 79 game season. Crazy things can happen. Crazy things might happen. Like, I don't know, a year one expansion team making a Stanley cup final. Crazy things happen. Yeah, but I think right now VGK is in the tank, and I just don't know what they're going to do to come Very back, fair. how they're going to rally back. I, I just don't know psychologically how they're going to play in this Dallas game. And then I have another observation. Maybe let's put this on the docket for tomorrow because I watched Jack Eichel very closely in the game on Sunday night. I want to talk about this tomorrow, Chris, if we can, and also we'll preview the Dallas Stars game. But Eichel does not seem to communicate with his teammates. He's never talking to them. And I just want to kind of deep dive into Eichel and just, you know, if there is a lack of chemistry, uh, there can't be great chemistry, right, with Eichel. But I want to get on. Can we get into all that tomorrow? Of course. Yeah, it's, it's right. interesting. And I'll see if I can find some uh, some footage to support that. But it's yeah, that's that's interesting. 
Yeah. And uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we will preview the VGK Dallas Stars game. It uh, could still be meaningful. Well, VGK still has to win out and they no longer control their own destiny. And we thank you all for tuning in and making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. And now for your second listen, go to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey with the host, Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone as they help you to become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And for my man, for Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. So long for now. You've been listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.